Welcome to Fatal Fortunes, a podcast about people, places, and misfortunate events. Greetings, all you people out there. Welcome back to another episode of Fatal Fortunes. This episode is on the shorter side. It's written by me. It is about a young girl called Matilda of Austria. Uh, When you look at Matilda of Austria, you better believe there's many. But this Matilda of Austria was born in 1849. And I think I came across her when I was initially researching this podcast, just looking up crazy deaths that happened throughout history. And um, you'll see this was a doozy. And something about this season as well is I found quite a few things that take place in 1849, because um, that centers around, of course, the revolutions that are going down in Europe at that time. Yeah, I just kind of used that year as a jumping off point for a bunch of other ish. So if you notice a pattern, it's because there is one. <laughs> so this year, France releases its first postage stamp. Go post office. Go post office. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Go post office. The British colony of Vancouver was established. I did not know Vancouver was so young. Elizabeth Blackwell becomes the United States' first female MD in the state of New York. Four Christians are ordered to be burnt alive in Madagascar by Queen Renavalona I, who would be another amazing subject for the show. The first Kennedy arrived in America. No, we're back in Boston. Back in Boston. Can't leave it. Um, The Mexican-American War ended. Denmark became a constitutional monarchy. As we know, Denmark is the oldest monarchy in the world. Still extant. Then Harriet Tubman escaped from slavery. Very important. And some births this year are Pedro Mont, 14th president of Chile. Henry Clay Frick. Prince. Oh, I feel like I almost even wrote this down with the intention of having Nathan say it. Because Nathan's mm. so much better at harder words than I am. Too bad. You wrote it for yourself now. No, Nathan, look Do at it. it. Nah, you uh, you look at it. Okay. Prince Seonji. Kinmochi. Prime Minister of Japan. How's that? That sounds fine. And then some deaths we've got are Edgar Allan Poe, Ooh. Anne Bronte, and Chopin. Nevermore. That brings us to Matilda of Austria, who would be probably, you know, had she lived, she might have been quite significant in history because of the plans that they had for her. But as it stands, she's kind of only known for something that we will get to in the end. So she was a little baby girl with a very long name, born Archduchess Matilda Marie Adelgund Alexandra of Austria on January 25th, 1890. 49. So right after the revolutions of 1848, and she was the third child of the Archduke Albert, Duke of Teschen, and his wife, Princess Hildegard of Bavaria. I wish we still named people stuff like Adelgund and Hildegard. I wish that those names were a little more common. Hildegard is a classic, yeah. She was the great-granddaughter of Leopold II, Holy Roman Emperor on her paternal side and granddaughter of King Ludwig of Bavaria. She was the actually, she was actually the last 
of her parents' children. She had an older sister, Maria Theresa, who married the Duke of Württemberg and lived through World War I and an older brother named Charles who had already died by the time she was born of smallpox. I really hope that there's that the next pandemic isn't smallpox. Yeah, I thought we got rid of that stuff. Yes, but, but there's always that fear-mongering that they let it back out. Yeah. Or something. It's like the bioweapon. During the summers, Matilda grew up at Weilberg Palace, about 15 miles south of Vienna. And during the winters, they lived at Archduke Albert Palace in Vienna, which is now the Albertina Museum, which I looked it up it is one of the 100 most visited art museums in the world. It's pretty low down on the list and their numbers took a hit during COVID, but it's up there. This palace was you know kind of a step down from the Hofburg. I don't know if anyone else knows what the Hofburg is but that's you know the big luxurious palace that the Habsburgs live in but the palace that they were staying in was for lesser family members because like we were saying you know she's a great granddaughter and a granddaughter she's not like the daughter of the king or mm -hmm. anything like that or the daughter of the heir she's so, a bit removed yeah quite quite it's like if we put <laughs> I was gonna compare it to someone in the royal family in yeah, the do it. succession. But I don't want to do be it. shady. I don't want to be like, it's like if we put Amelia Windsor someplace nice or Flora yeah. Vesterberg someplace nice. There you go. Yeah. All right. Like we they're like it. 27th in line in the throne. They're not living in Kensington. Palace. Unimportant people. You could have just left it. <laughs> basically, peasants. <gasps> basically, peasant in the castle. Put a commoner in the palace. Matilda's mother, Hildegard, like we said, she was first cousins with Empress Cece of Austria, who people love. I kind of, I don't find her super interesting. I'll mm. say it. Yeah. So that's also how you can see maybe some of her proximity to power. Although she is a little bit removed, she's still closely related to the people who actually hold the power. And she grew up closely with Cece's family. Matilda's family was not really living together because her father was a part of the Austro-Hungarian army, and they started to live together when she was about three years old in 1852, and the family ended up moving to Budapest, where he had been appointed to military and civil positions the prior year. While they were there, they lived in the Sandor Palace and subsequently in Buda Castle after the repairs it suffered during the revelation. revelation. Revolutions are revelations of 1848 and had been repaired. When she was 15 years old, her mother went to Bavaria to go attend the funeral of her uncle, King Maximilian II, and she ended up dying of lung inflammation and pleurisy while there. In 1865, she stood in for Queen Victoria, who was being appointed godmother of her niece, Archduchess Maria Amalia of Wurttemberg, who would also coincidentally die at the age of 18. Matilda didn't have a robust education or a large group of friends. She was mostly surrounded by her paternal relatives and cousins. She, as she approached marrying age, she was educated by Leopold Newman, who was a professor of history and laws at the University of Vienna, which I bet is an amazing school. Under his tutelage, she learned history and literature, and she started to, you know, look at marriage prospects. The first thought was her third cousin, Archduke Ludwig Salvatore, 
but her parents had in mind a more advantageous match for their younger daughter, and they ended up spurning him. Her father turned his eye toward Prince Umberto of Savoy, who was crown prince of Italy at the time. It's some pretty lofty ambitions to set your minor princess on. There was tension, though, between these two houses and the European royals due to solve their problems. They marry. So, oh, also, look it up when you guys have the chance. Umberto has a crazy mustache. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's like a, oh, my God, that's like a whole animal on there. Yeah, so maybe she kind of avoided some sort of fate by not ending up with that mustache man. But here's the part of the story that makes Matilda of Austria someone history actually remembers. The absolutely shocking and weird way that she died. On the night of May 22nd, 1867, Matilda was at Hetzendorf Palace in Vienna, getting ready to attend theater and speaking to her cousin, the Archduke Frederick, Duke of Teschen. Matilda had a smoking habit she knew that her father didn't approve of. She heard his voice booming toward her in the expansive castle and in her haste tried to put out her cigarette. She tried hiding the cig behind her back, but the material of her dress was actually this really flammable gauze. She had second and third degree burns all over her body. The flames were so hot and rampant that the dress burned into her skin. More and more family members began running to the room as they heard her screaming, and her whole family watched the horrible scene. Once the flames were put out, efforts were made to save her, but she died of her injuries on June 6th, so a couple weeks later, 1867. At first, everyone was confused about what happened and how she had suddenly, you know, just combusted because there had been no candles or open flames in the room until eventually Archduke Frederick told the family the truth of what had happened. She was buried on June 9th in the Imperial Crypt, and her heart was placed in the Loretto Chapel in uh, the Augustine Church. Uh, No, the Augustinian Church in Vienna, and she is next to her brother, mother, and father in the new vault of the crypt. um, What a wild Don't smoke, kids! Yeah, to go. Because I wonder how many people thought it was, like, the devil. Yep. But also just how painful those last two weeks of her life must have been. I wonder if For she ever like, regained consciousness or something. I imagine she must have. Like, Ugh. there's no way. Because, of course, they were trying to do, like, burn treatment on her. Right. But it's 1800s burn treatments. Yeah. And I don't even think today is, like, if you're burned I don't even know badly, if they were washing hands yet. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Fatal Fortunes. I've been Al. I've been Nathan. And on Tuesdays, we talk ghosts. And we will see you next time. I'm not sure who we're going to talk about next time, but I think it's going to be a place. As opposed to a person. So get ready for our first episode on a fatal place. See you next time. Bye.